0: You welcomes me. Welcome a cup of cold water, me, us, a cup of cold water given to these, my little ones. Of cold water given in the name of a disciple. Make of us your faithful disciples in the name and the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Today, we gather in the presence of our loving and merciful God, recognizing that we are all fallible beings, prone to sin and imperfection. In this moment of reflection and honesty, let us come before the Holy One with contrite hearts and open minds, seeking God's forgiveness and grace. Let us together pray the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess our sin. We have not been the people you have created us to be. We have suppressed wonder and gratitude. We have withheld love. We have lived by fear. Receive us, forgive us, heal us, that we may truly be your children and truly be sisters and brothers of all people, in the name and the spirit of Christ. Amen. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Good morning, everyone and welcome to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church on this fifth Sunday after Pentecost. Reflecting our Creator's warm embrace of all who are created in God's own image, I invite you to turn and greet your neighbors, sharing the peace of Christ with them. And for those who are joining us online, we hope that you too will take the time to let us know that you are joining us today whether via the QR code on your screen or in the link below your video, and we extend a warm welcome to you as well. So, beloved, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And the people of God said, Amen. We encourage you to take a moment to look through the closing pages of your bulletin for a variety of ways to grow in knowledge and faith and discipleship. To serve among those in need of food, clothing, shelter, and companionship how to build relationships among a dynamic group of people, and to celebrate the gifts of creativity and musical expression. And if you're here with us in the sanctuary, we do hope that you'll take a moment to to find and fill out the pew pads and to share those with anyone else who might be seated in your pew. And while you do that, I will highlight a few things of note in our bulletins. Also for those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to greet one another following our morning worship for coffee hour, which during the summer months is held outdoors if weather permits and indoors like today when it does not. The coffee I guarantee you is delicious regardless of location. This Wednesday, our senior high youth leave for Paris, France, where they will spend five days serving in the city with youth from the American church in Paris. We hold them in prayer and we wish them a good journey and wonderful experiences together. And we look forward to hearing of their experiences and to greet them when they return. And on Friday, our annual Music by the Fountain Concert series kicks off in the Michigan Avenue Courtyard at 1210 p.m. We invite you to come out and enjoy some wonderful outdoor concerts over the lunch hour on July and August Fridays. Details, of course, are printed in your bulletin, and you can also find a bevy of information about the variety of opportunities and resources available to you through Fourth Church. Thanks be to God. Let us continue to worship together.
1: Let us pray. Testify to us, O God, by the voice of your spirit, put your law into our hearts, write your words in our mind, and show us your will in our lives, through Jesus Christ our Savior, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Kings 17, verses seven through 16. Listen now for the God's word to us. But after a while the wadi dried up because there is no more rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidion, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel, so that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked but only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid and go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of the meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on earth. She went and did as Eliza said, that she said as well as he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord, that he spoke by Elisha. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: The second scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. This comes to us from the teachings of Jesus after he sent out many of his disciples in mission for the first time. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Holy wisdom. Holy word. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been said and quoted widely that making a prediction is difficult, especially about the future. But predicting can also be fun. When I was a teenager, a little contraption called the magic eight ball. Perhaps some of you remember it, it's still around from what I understand, became a rather amusing and a playful tool for forecasting the future. Or maybe it was more wish casting. It was fairly straightforward, ask a question, shake the ball, and through a little screen you could read a yes, no, or maybe so answer. To be precise, the gizmo offered 10 affirmative and five uncertain and then five doubtful responses, which meant that the probability of getting a yes to an ancient adolescence questions was quite high. So, does the person I have a crush on have a crush on me? Am I going to pass that calculus exam on which my grade depends? How about winning the school election or becoming the lead scorer for the basketball team? Well, I can assure you as a thoroughly uncoordinated youth under 5'8", lead scorer was never in the cards for me. Nevertheless, the magic eight ball offered a lighthearted approach to an uncertain future. I have an old friend by the name of Mike who comes about his predictions in a decidedly more systematic and pragmatic way. He is a self-described futurist. In fact, that's part of his job title in the corporate world. From his view, the future he predicts is, quote, translucent. You can see the broad shapes and outlines, but not the fine details. And with this picture, he hopes to help his business, but also humanity at large, avoid pitfalls and mitigate risks. As a responsible futurist, he sees himself as a sensor and a sense maker. He emphasizes that the key for the futurist is quote, the idea that the future is plural. There are many possible futures. The Bible has its own responsible futurists. We call them prophets. And they often indeed announce future events. But the similarities seem to end there. You see, the kind of prophets that Jesus calls us to welcome in Matthew's Gospel are portrayed as a rather troublesome bunch. The long span of prophets, many of whom are revered in Judaism and Islam, as well as Christianity, from Noah to Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Miriam, Isaiah and Amos, Elijah from our reading this morning, and Anna in Luke's Gospel, were disinclined to consult for power brokers or see themselves as innovators or influencers. In fact, most never had the credentials or connections to be taken seriously among the chattering and intellectual classes of their day. They had very underwhelming LinkedIn pages. But their principal aim was not to be disagreeable for its own sake. Today, many would-be prophets relish the spectacle of making themselves known. But according to Abraham Joshua Heschel, renowned Jewish theologian who literally wrote a book, perhaps the book on the Hebrew prophets, biblical prophets would shrink, would lose themselves in the pathos or the passion of God. They were rattled by a visceral feeling of God's love, grief, anger, and claim on their lives so that they could not help but speak the fire shut up in their bones. But that fire was embodied in ways that bordered on bizarre. Prophets laid on their side for 430 days in a row to pronounce judgment. They ate the parchment of scrolls. They married prostitutes and wandered the streets naked. By those standards, the encounter between Elijah and the widow of Seraphath seems decidedly mild. All this should remind us how undesirable it might be to welcome a prophet and why the call of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel to welcome prophets and righteous people and little ones was easier said than done. The widow of Zarephath struggles through a -a once-in-a-lifetime famine. Unable to feed her family, bereft of support, Elijah's request to her was an intrusion without any clear sign of blessing or reward. It is exactly why you should stay away from prophets and righteous folk. And yet Jesus says, welcome prophets anyway. Elijah wasn't just a drain on resources. To societal elites like Israelite King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, he became a nagging irritant. As theologian Walter Brueggemann tells it, Elijah was guilty of, quote, imagining the world as if Yahweh, the God of Israel, and the creator of heaven and earth, were a real character and a lively agent in the life of the world. These two corrupt rulers preferred to live a fantasy that no arbiter of justice was watching them, and that there was no standard for justice, save the one that they themselves invented. Elijah publicly dissented, and as any good futurist might do, he casts a vision of the future which invites either their repentance or predicts their downfall. To invite an Elijah to eat with you or counsel you is to invite trouble. And yet Jesus says, whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward. Jezebel and Ahab had a prophet in their midst, but failed to treat him as one. Yet the widow of Zarephath received the same prophet into the place of her poverty, daring to believe his preposterous predictions that her meager rations would outlast the hunger threatening to overtake them both. I hope each of you have someone in your life who can meet you in the place of hardship, telling you words of provocation but also of hope that remind you that your life has value in God's future. Each of us needs prophets. But communities need prophets too. The Matthaean community of Jesus' followers sought them. In the wake of the resurrection, the early church was subject to somewhat regular purges at the hands of the Roman Empire. And after the fall of the Jerusalem temple in 70 CE, its days within Judaism were numbered. In such a fear-ridden and contested climate, this community gave fresh urgency to Jesus' words about welcoming prophets and righteous persons and little ones. Such hospitality was a material lifeline for persecuted and vulnerable disciples on the run, as well as the communities sheltering them. But we can surmise it also prevented the community from folding in on itself in fear. By being open to itinerant prophets and servants, Christian communities could welcome Jesus' imaginative vision of a divine future beyond the Roman Empire's illusory version of it. Yes, communities need prophets and nations do too. This coming week will mark the 247th birthday of the United States. Now as Presbyterians, we dare not confine God's glory, activity, and care in the world to our particular corner of it. We are not Christian nationalists but we can honor any attempt to live into the values that resonate with the heart of God. But those attempts are only successful when illuminated by the prophetic imagination. And as a country, I've observed that the United States tends to do well when it welcomes and listens to prophets and struggles when it dismisses and ignores them. Sometimes they come in distressing disguise. Did you know that in 1944, the United States opened what would become its only refugee camp during World War II? In the third year of the war, a thousand refugees, mostly Jewish, were shuttled to Oswego, New York, confined to a well-guarded old fort. It was a blue-collar town of some 18,000, complete with factories and mills. And given the war climate, few were actually eager to welcome these newcomers. But one teenager named Frances decided to cross the threshold and began gathering her friends to speak to the kids through the fences. A few awkward English how are you's, and she tried out Italian that she learned from her mother, who came from Italy. And many of those refugees had spent time in Italy themselves on their way to the United States, and hearing the language resonated with them to the point that they finally felt at ease, befriended, welcomed. With the help of those like Francis, the town came to learn from their neighbors. One article describing the situation said, quote, interacting with the refugees, seeing their gaunt and frightened figures upon arrival and hearing their stories through the fence, many Oswegans had their eyes opened. Open to the terror of lives ripped open, open to the injustices they were insulated from, open to the dreams of God and the wisdom and the folkways of people that they had never known. What strikes me about this story is not that these refugees had some superlative powers of perception or read fortunes or uttered hard truths in thunderous prose, but that as they told their stories, they expanded the imaginations of the people in this town. They did the first order of prophets. In their own slight way, they helped project and shape a different world telling of a new possible future. Those refugees were treading on the same prophetic ground as abolitionists and suffragists and scientists and civil rights activists and philanthropists who have jarred open our civic sensibilities and pushed us to imagine new possibilities. What was brewing in that refugee camp and the welcome that came out of it was a different imagination for what the US could be. That it happened here but not in Manzanar internment camp in California reminds us of how precarious and episodic the prophetic imagination can be. It appears and sometimes it recedes. Even so, it will not arise from the vacuum of our own private thoughts. Our insular attempts At dreaming, God's future will only produce delusions and deceptions unless we invite our prophetic neighbors into the process. You don't get prophetic imagination without welcoming actual flesh-in-the-bone prophets. Prophets say things that are disagreeable, and they invite us not simply to accept their words without dissension, but to wrestle with them until we find insight And yet Jesus says, welcome them anyway. Prophets will make us vulnerable to ridicule from others. To to welcome them may put some of our social capital in jeopardy. And yet the favor of God we gain from their presence is greater than what we lose in the sight of others. And so Jesus says, welcome them anyway. And God sends those who aren't perfect, and they might not even be righteous all the time, but for the appointed time and purpose, they are God's messengers. And so Jesus says, welcome them anyway. Now in Chicago, we sometimes say we don't want nobody, nobody sends, But prophets sometimes come in the form of little ones we didn't ask for. And so Jesus says, and I think you can help me with this one, welcome them anyway. Amen? Amen.
3: me in saying what it is we believe using these words from Holy Scripture. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our humble bodies so that they are like his glorious body by the power that also makes him able to subject all things to himself. Amen, you may be seated. Friends, we have been gifted with this amazing life with these beautiful, humble bodies. All that we are and all that we have belongs to God and comes from God. And so let us make offerings with a spirit of gratitude Our morning offering will now be received.
2: Friends, this is a table that welcomes prophets and mischief makers, mystics and cynics, those whose lives dance from one joy to the next and those who believe they can't catch a break. It welcomes the wounded and doubters Seekers and those who are sure of faith. This is a table for those who seek to love and be loved in the way of Jesus. And if you let it, it can be a place of profound and amazing grace. So come, take your place. You are invited, you are called, you are welcome.
0: Our God let us pray it is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise O oh Lord our God creator and ruler of the universe when the universe was but dust you were there your word was there birthing creation from chaos and allowing all life to flourish. When we, your people, were in the wilderness, fleeing captivity, you were there. Your word was there, welcoming us with manna, just enough for today. With water even from the driest rock, with the abundant grace upon which our story always rests.
3: Caught in the snare of sin and death, you were there. Your word was there on the lips of prophets, in stories of revelation, repentance, and liberation, calling us even now to acts of courage and love. Blessed are you, O Christ our Lord, for risking yourself among us, vulnerable and rejected, for teaching us what faithfulness looks and sounds like, for showing us the radical hope of God. You were there. Your word was there, even to the point of death itself. Even faced with terror and hatred in the world as it should not be, you rose again to new life, to new creation, to resurrection, so that we might know the world as it should be, the world as you will bring it to be. And so we join our voices with all the saints who forever sing to the glory of your name.
0: Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take your precious gifts of grain from the earth and fruit of the vine to celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. Accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving as a living and holy offering of ourselves that our lives may proclaim the one crucified and risen. Great is the mystery of faith. And yet, Holy One, as we come to share the abundance of your table, we know that all is not yet well upon the earth. So we pray for your healing spirit to be poured out over all those who suffer in body, in mind, in spirit. We ask for your strength and repair for those whose health, homes or livelihoods are threatened by wildfires and powerful storms, we ask that you move us across the city, country, and the globe toward greater justice, more
3: compassion, and a deeper love for all your people. Gracious God, we come today to claim our calling once again, to renew our courage once again, so that we can truly live as your disciples in this world and participate in your transformation of it. So pour down your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this bread and cup that we might remember who and whose we are. May this meal unite us with you and with siblings in Christ around the world. Give us your spirit that we may experience anew your welcome and go forth to share it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, your love made flesh, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
2: For those of you worshiping with us online, we invite you to bring your elements, gather them close in this moment. Friends, the Lord Jesus on the night of his arrest took bread, and after having given thanks to God, broke it, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, given for you. Do this, remembering me. For those of you online, I invite you to break your bread.
0: And in like manner he took the cup, And as he poured it, he said, this cup is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink from this cup, drink of it to remember me. For those partaking at home, you may now pour and lift your cup.
2: Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. And every time we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Until He comes again, and all manner of things are made well. In the sanctuary today, we are offering communion at four stations and the balconies. Please come forward if you are able during through the side uh, or through the center aisle and then return to your seats by the side aisles after you partake. If you remain in your pew seats, please raise your hand and ushers on the side aisles will come and bring the elements to you to partake. If you are joining us via our live stream, you may partake of your elements now. So come friends, all is ready. those who have them.
3: Please join in the recitation of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil Please rise and body your spirit for the prayer after communion. Faithful God, we give you thanks that you have entrusted us with the gift of hospitality and generosity, that you have set us free to be generous givers of the gifts you so freely give to us. May our offerings this day draw us closer to you as we share them with others for righteousness' sake. Amen.
2: now go out into this world, friends, in peace, rendering no one evil for evil, but returning evil with good. Strengthen the faint of heart. Support the vulnerable. Help the suffering. Welcome prophets, righteous people, and little ones. Honor the dignity of all people. And as you do so, may Christ go behind you to protect you from every harm. May Christ go beneath you to support you through every struggle. May Christ go beside you to befriend you on the journey to God's future. And may Christ go ahead of you this day to light the path, this day and forevermore. Amen.